0: Your show host, Dr. Alan Chong, a.k.a. the spine doctor himself, is a practicing chiropractor for over 33 years, business practice coach and owner of three clinics in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. His weekly guest experts will share with you the very best secrets to their own success. Their inspiring stories will be sure to show and teach you to see and achieve more in your own personal life and professional practice. Dr. Chong's dynamic and entertaining interview style allows you to just sit back and enjoy every moment as you discover the gems found in each and every podcast. We realize that you're on a journey to your own success and mastery. This podcast will allow you to learn from some of the masters in chiropractic practice, marketing, and business. Allow easy inspirations and new ideas to nudge you on a path to your future practice success and practice mastery. Stay tuned now for another exciting episode of Practice Mastery, your call to greatness. Now here's your host, Dr. Alan Chong.
1: Dr. Brian Stenzler is the best-selling author of Dream Wellness, the five keys to raising kids for a lifetime of physical and mental health. He's co-founder of Dream Wellness and has owned and operated numerous wellness centers in New York and California. Brian received his DC degree in 1998 from Life University and has since served on numerous boards and was president of the California Chiropractic Association from 2014 to 2016. Dr. Stensler now travels the world as a guest speaker at conferences and colleges and lectures at many organizations as a health and wellness expert. Welcome to Practice Mastery, Brian Stensler. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. So you know, I want to cover a number of topics today, and the one topic, of course, practice mastery is all about our our listeners um, getting insights and inspiration about practice. Um so, give us a quick snapshot. You told me in the as we were just chatting a little bit that you've just uh, uh, kind of. Semi-retired, you called it, out of practice. So give us a quick snapshot of
2: of practice, because uh, how many years of practice is that? I practiced over 23 years, uh, graduated from Life University, as you mentioned, in 98. So uh, practiced in New York for the first eight years of practice, and then in San Diego for 15 years after that. So when I was in New York, I had two offices there, San Diego, we had three offices there Um, and they were complete wellness centers. So they weren't um, chiropractic solely. They also had massage, nutrition, empowerment, coaching, yoga, Pilates, organic cooking classes, wellness workshops, full fitness centers, uh, and everything else in between. So, uh, you know, it was a pretty robust, pretty cumbersome uh, type of wellness center uh, that we helped people live that dream lifestyle, the DREAM, which we'll get to later and chat about.
1: So. Right. And so, so were you the like the 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 director and owner and president of all, all that organization? Yeah.
2: I was president and CEO of, of the uh, company. And so in the practices in New York, after I moved, I had a, a partner. We're no longer business partners, but still very, he's still very involved with Dream Wellness. Uh, so he ran the New York, one of the New York operations. The other one, I had licensed that one when I left New York. Uh, but yeah, I was basically a hands-on Owner, operator, and everything else, and I had I had good staff also, but still the direction and the focus always came from yours. Truly, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I, I <laughs> totally
1: know. I, I run three clinics, so clinic within a clinic, um, and, and different than yours. But um, so for our listeners who are are either thinking about or multiple practice business owners, like what advice would you have for them?
2: Well, you know, the big question that you have to ask is why? Why do you want to have multiple locations and is it worth it? Because you've got to have a mindset of a CEO to have multiple practices successful without it dragging you down and and having patients calling and texting and trying to reach out to you wherever you are. If you really want to have multiple practices, you have to be thinking about not practicing that much. Uh, And so the way I set it up initially was not the right way. I learned a lot from mistakes. And I was very fortunate, very blessed to have made successful, um, you know, have successful outcomes. You know, they say successful people don't always make the right decision, but they make every decision right. So, you know, you've got to have the mindset. If you're going to have multiple practices, you don't want to be driving to all these offices two, three days a week and everything else. It's going to drive you crazy. You'll never be able to have a balanced life. Your family won't know who you are. Um, and that's not ideal. And and it's also hard to see people, if you have patients that need to come two, three, four times a week, how are they going to do that if you're in different locations? Um, but there are a lot of benefits to having multiple locations because it, it helps out with marketing. You know, there are some people that work in one place and practice, you know, they work in one place, they live in another place. So maybe their kids and their families are here. So I had that where people, you know, one person and family would go to this location and then the rest of the family would go to a different location. But the key is, for practitioners to not make the care about them, they make it about their systems, about how they provide the care, Uh, You know, they have to have a good consistent analysis across the board. So if they got an exam from one doctor in one location and an exam from another doctor in another location, it's gonna be the same. And the adjustment is going to be similar enough. We know that chiropractic is based on a science, philosophy, and art. The science should be consistent. God willing, the philosophy should be consistent with all practitioners in all locations, but the art is always going to be different because no two people adjust the same way unless you use instrument adjusting, which is nothing wrong with that either. You know, we know pro adjuster, activator, integrator, all those techniques are very successful with multi-practices, multi-clinics. But if you're doing diversified type care, um, it's a lot more difficult to do that. And then there's the doctor's energy. And when you create a personality-based practice, you create a major issue because then those people want to see you and you cannot be in two, three, four, five locations at a time. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Chan?
1: Absolutely. So so that I, I want to focus on what
2: you said there. And and those by the way,
1: tremendous gems just in that couple minutes, right? About a lot of people think bigger is better. What would you comment about that?
2: Bigger is not better um, in any way, shape, or form. The only time that bigger is better is if you want to go and you want to have, and my initial goal was several hundred locations. I was going to bring in venture capital, private equity money, and all this other stuff and make a big chain. Uh, I changed my mind after all that, you know, during the whole COVID times. Uh, because we were in the process of getting into all these big class A commercial buildings uh with uh, doing corporate wellness. And you know, that was the that was the trajectory I was on. And then when COVID hit and I saw all these businesses, you know, shutting down, everyone working from home, I was grateful that I was not more successful a year earlier because I probably would have lost everything at that point. But you've got to diversify, you know, whatever it is that you do in business, you've got to be diversified. You've got to have several different sources of income through your businesses, um, you know, and so bigger is only better if you know how to manage it properly. And if you're smart enough to hire somebody smarter than you are. And that's where chiropractors, we get in the way because we have our ego that we know everything. But if you actually hire somebody who is outside of the health professional world, they know business, we know health. So whether you're a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, an orthopedist, whatever it is that you do, uh, physical therapist, uh, you know those arts, but you may not know business as well as a true CEO would would know business. And right. so I was in the process when I was doing this major expansion pre-COVID, uh, I was do- I was having meetings with people who are CEOs of companies that have sold for like 250 to $500 million companies. And these are the people that I was looking at bringing on my team, they were going to invest in it. Uh, and, you know, I was just going to be the vision of it, but let them run the operations because, you know, that's just not what I made for. I love business, but I don't know business as well as these people know it. Yeah, exactly.
1: I, obviously you, I, I can, I can tell and sense and hear you, you, you do love business and you're, you're pretty good at business, but pretty good isn't good enough when times get really rough or tough. And that's where, uh, that, that's very sage advice about not being, um, sticking to your expertise is I believe what you said. And, uh, uh, look at hiring a, a CEO, CFO, uh, a managers uh, that's not a chiropractor, not a practitioner to take over the show when you get to that point where you're big enough and want to still grow. Is that is that kind of summarizing exactly. what you said? Exactly
2: that's exactly what I was getting at. And and yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. So that's, that's dead on what we need to be focusing on. So, so Ryan, um, what was the
1: best part of practice then? I mean, I understand that uh, you, you know, you kind of alluded to the fact that the parts that maybe weren't so pleasant took you took a lot of time and energy away was the management of those multiple people and teams. And I know, and you know, the more people you have on board, the more issues come up, right? Mm -hmm. So, so what, what was the best part of practice when you were practicing up until, you know, just a few months ago, actually less than a year ago?
2: Yeah. So the best part of practice for me was the results, the life changes that we saw. And I focused on pediatrics, pregnancy, you know, prenatal care and stuff and having kids coming in. And my practice was very unique in the sense of being a full-on wellness center. Most of the people that came to us didn't really have any symptoms. They didn't come because of a back pain, neck pain. They didn't come because of a health issue like ear infections or allergies so much. They came for overall wellness to have the nervous system functioning at a higher level. That was something I really was very proud of how I educated my community. Uh, I was a referral-based practice, didn't do any paid advertising or anything. But we did have some people that came in. We had some kids that came in with issues. Uh, and when you would see a child who uh, was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, couldn't focus, or an autistic child that couldn't really speak, or a kid with ear, you know, ear infections chronically that didn't need the uh, the tubes in the ears, and you see these life changing experiences, that's amazing. When you when I got to take a pregnant woman who was already scheduled for surgery, because the baby was breached, you know, they were scheduled for the C-section. And I get a couple of adjustments in there doing Webster technique and whatever else and, and, you know, just using my chiropractic expertise. And that woman was spared from surgery and that child was spared from having, you know, a non-vaginal birth, which is okay. I mean, look, a birth is a birth. As long as you have a healthy baby in the end, that's all that matters. But there are definitely a lot of benefits to having a vaginal birth, you know, um, and we won't get into that now. But the the idea is these are moms that didn't want to have to have a C-section and to see the joy in their lives and then watch their kids grow up. Um, Those are really exciting. But I would say the longer I was in practice, the most exciting thing is watching some of the kids because 23 years. So watching some of the kids that were newborn babies or in the mommy's uterus when I started taking care of them, now starting families of their own. That's amazing. Um, And that's one thing that I will miss because having been in practice for 23 years, some of them are just starting to have kids of their own, you know, who started young, Um, but watching them get married and things like that. It's, it's extraordinary just watching the the families change and, and watching the people grow up. So that was for me, the most rewarding part of practice of everything.
1: But, and, and again, it comes down to seeing the, the, the lives changed the miracles, the, you know, the joy in people uh, and really contributing. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know and then the babies that are born that, that the parents were told that they would never have a child, whether it was on the guy's side or the woman's side, that there was infertility, you know, fertility issues and stuff. Um, I mean, that's another one that I've been mentioned. One of the stories in my book, that's actually quite humorous when, when you read that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there, are, and we call these miracles, In chiropractic, they're not miracles. In healthcare, whatever your profession is, these are results that you expect. They're not miracles. They're Mm. not necessarily supernatural. I believe that God has something to do with all healing and stuff like that. I'm a very spiritual person. But those are things that we expect. A miracle is something that comes out of left field. And you you can't even fathom that happening in this world. So just be really good at what you do. Like you're an expert in what you do. That when somebody comes to you, they get the best results possible because you are so fine-tuned with your skills and your expertise, and you have such certainty that they know when they go to you, they're going to pay their fee and they're going to get better. Their life is going to be better. Their quality of life is going to be better. And that's what all healthcare providers need to do is not be people just trying to sell a care plan, but to actually change lives, whether it's for two weeks that you see them or 20 years that you see them. It doesn't matter. You've got to be prepared to change lives. And I think that too many health providers are thinking about where their next rent check is going to come from, how they're going to pay their bills. And the patients can tell when the practitioner needs it more than the doctor. They can tell it right away.
1: Absolutely. Hey, that I mean, that that is a gem right there, folks. Um, you know, it's this aspect of certainty seems like it's kind of gone from a lot of practitioners um, just because the, the motivations and maybe just simply the, the heart isn't there. So what would you say about having heart?
2: Well, you know, I, I go back even further to purpose. You know, when when your purpose is bigger than anything else, uh, you know, that your heart follows where your purpose is. You know, Tony Robbins, you know, always says that people are motivated by one of two things, to move away from pain or to move towards pleasure. And we know that the majority of people are are geared towards moving away from pain. That's why so many health providers you know, are treating pain. They're advertising, if you're in pain, we're going to help you with that. And there's nothing wrong with that because people in pain need to get out of pain. But I think that there's one more motivator that Tony doesn't address, and that's moving towards purpose. And moving towards purpose is sometimes painful and sometimes pleasurable, but you're on a certain mission and that's where your heart is. That's your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you wake up every morning, you know, leaving your family, if you have a family, leaving it for whatever it is, why do you have to go serve? Is it to make money? Because you can make a lot more money in, in a lot of other professions than healthcare. You don't have all the regulations. You don't have all the other malpractice issues. You don't have to deal with all these different things. You do real estate, you do law, you can do, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways of investing. Online sure. businesses, you can sell on eBay and you don't have the same stressors. So why do we choose to be a provider is because we have heart. And we have purpose, and it's very important for us to have a clear purpose statement in life that is connected with our heart because if you don't have heart, you should get out of the business yeah wow yeah that that um
1: that resonates with me i mean um you know because it, you you shared a little bit earlier about um you know, going some through some rough times. I know I've gone through some rough times in practice. And when I first started this podcast, Oh, 33 episodes ago, um, uh, the title of the, 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 um, the first couple episodes, the first episode was I was going to quit chiropractic, Mm -hmm. right. I was going to pack it all in and that was years ago. So, and here I am now, I I'm actually enjoying practice more than I, um, ever have I think and feeling great about it uh 35 years in so nice. so that's because I found my heart again for what I'm doing and that is to to serve and to help people that in in my practice uh that have not been helped by anybody else and that's not every patient but that's those are the ones that uh seem to seek me out and the cool thing uh, Brian is that I had my I have my first client fly in from Australia to come and see us. Now he walked into the office uh, the uh, just just uh, the other day, but I found out actually he, he, his second motivation and probably his first was to see a new girlfriend, <laughs> and and he he, he used uh, um, this as a good excuse to get away from work for for medical leave. So,
2: anyways, he's still from Australia. We're in Canada. I love it, congratulations on that. That's awesome. And that's when you know when people travel. I remember when I had the first person travel from Israel to come and see me uh, for fertility issues. And I don't treat infertility, but she had heard from one of her friends who got pregnant after receiving care. So she's like, I tried everything, I'm flying to New York. It was when I was practicing in New York. Um, And it's, it's incredible when you have something like that happen. And what's even better is when they're happy with the results, if they're happy they made that decision.
0: Don't miss another secret to your practice success subscribe to practice mastery today at highprofitspractice.com forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts
1: you know it, it's it's crazy when you you start attracting people from all over because of word of mouth right mm-hmm. tell us about uh, what made you decide to transition to what you call semi-retirement <laughs> and uh, give us some insight on on how We as a
2: practitioner actually do that. Yeah, it's not easy, you know, and I hope all practitioners don't do what I've done because we need people in the field. But what it came down to for me is my purpose and my mission are so big that when you know that adjusting somebody is getting in the way of your bigger vision, that's when you know you need to make a change. No matter how hard it is um, to walk away from serving those babies and those pregnant mamas and stuff. I know that through my book, through my online courses and stuff, I'm going to get people more excited about natural health care, and I'm going to be able to feed many more health providers with clients, with patients around the country. And so I just feel like I could have such a bigger impact and serve so many more, tens of thousands of parents um, by doing business online and filling up offices, chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, physical therapists, whoever it is. And it it was one of the hardest things. I did get my Florida license. I don't know if I'll ever use it or not. Uh, We're going to see how much I miss adjusting, you know. Um, But the bottom line is, you know, I've been working on the book for so many years. And there were only so many hours in the day between running three offices in San Diego and adjusting in two of those three offices, being on the executive board, having been president of the California Chiropractic Association. um, I'm on the executive board for the um, Congress of Chiropractic State Associations. I do so much stuff. And it's hard to practice and attract the people into health and wellness. Absolutely. Wow. It wasn't an easy transition, but I'm doing it and we're going to see how it goes. Right. So was there a
1: point where you just kind of either woke up or, you know, couldn't sleep and go,
2: you know what, I need to do this. There was, um, I had deadlines with my publisher for the book. And so I would normally do my writing outside of my adjusting hours but I just, during COVID and everything else, I just couldn't do it. I had to do some writing when I was in the office. And I remember I was in the middle of writing a chapter and a practice member came in early for their appointment. And I felt like, oh, dang. And the second I felt an, oh, dang for a person coming in to have their life changed, I knew I needed to make a change myself. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was when I
2: said, I need to Get out of practice right now. I need to finish what I need to do. And if I want to go practice again, I will. And it all came around the same time that I knew I was going to leave California. I didn't like what was going on there. Mm. Um, that So that was one aspect from the professional side. Then from the personal side, and this is something that all health providers need to think about, is what do you want your quality of life to be? You know, I had a child later in life. I'm 48. I have a five and a half year old. Mm. So there's blessings and curses in that. I think more blessings because- I've been in practice for a long time. I've built a lot of success. You know, I've made my income. So, what I want to do is, I want to be a present dad and husband right now at this later stage. I mean, yes, I'm 48 and I'm not retired. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll get on my computer at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning, but I'll finish. And my wife gets my kid ready for school. She drops him off, but I'm done by like 3 4 o'clock, pick him up, take him to Taekwondo, get him for piano lessons, which we're going to start setting up. And I'll get to be there when he's home from school. I want to be his dad. I want him to know who I am. I want to be at all of his things. And that has become, especially with this whole COVID thing, that has become a priority in my life. And so I want to watch my kid grow up. My dad worked his butt off when I was a kid. He traveled a lot. I didn't see him very much. I want my family to be able to travel with me when I'm doing speaking engagements and stuff like that. We'll have to figure out the whole school thing. Maybe he gets homeschooled or goes into private school when all the traveling ramps up again. But uh, I want our families to be together. And I think uh, a quality of life business is a huge priority in my life right now. And I think practitioners need to be thinking about what do they want their life to look like?
1: Well, I got several tingles up my spine when you were talking about that, because, you know, those I I know those were tough decisions, but decisions that you felt um, the heart for the conviction for and you just needed to. To make it happen, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll tell you as I'm unpacking my house because I'm here for a few months now. I'm going through all these boxes of everything I emptied out of my office, and I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this stuff. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna ever practice again. Like, I got all these pamphlets. I've got you know all these scanners, you know, to do you know the neurodiagnostic testing, and all of all these pictures that were up on my wall hangings. And I'm just gonna be putting them in my garage for the time being and just see what happens. But it's it's a little bit like I feel a punch in the gut every time I look at these things because it's a piece of me that's no longer there and that's why this other piece has to be bigger that my purpose has to be fed it has to be bigger than what i'm doing and so for practitioners you know some just want it they can't wait to get out of practice and others they just want to for chiropractic for example they just want their last breath to be over a patient which is not necessarily a good thing for our profession but um but they just love the adjusting so much and we need those we need those people. Yes, uh,
1: and there and there's all all kinds. Now, before we talk about the book, because I don't do want to not only talk about your book, which congratulations that you just launched it, um, Dream Wellness, uh, and I wanted you to talk about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, doctors that want to be an expert consultant, because this sounds like it was an evolution for you. The book became an evolution. Dream Wellness, the business. And now you mentioned online, uh, courses and speaking that didn't happen overnight. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that. And then I want to hear about the the most, well, very exciting news that you, you, uh, have launched your book as a, as a best-selling dream wellness. Yeah.
2: So thank you. Uh, You know, I started writing the book probably about 13 years ago. And when I started writing the book, I was concerned about whether or not I'd be able to get 40 or 50 pages out of it. Who's going to want to hear from me, you know, all the imposter syndrome stuff. But over all the years of practice, you know, you learn information and like you keep telling the patients, your practice members, the same things over and over again. So I'm putting all these stories, all these anecdotes in a book and putting it together. And I've got dream and over the past 12, 13 years. I would sometimes write like just nonstop for like days on end. And then I wouldn't touch the book again for six months. And then I would just write again. And then I wouldn't touch the book for six months. And it kept dragging on and dragging on. Um, And during that time, I also noticed that in my consultations, that I'd be telling my practice members the same thing over and over and over again. And it's like, yeah, we do the group, you know, wellness workshops and all that other stuff, but not everybody attends it. And there's only so much content you could get into a 45 minute to an hour and a half wellness workshop. So I'm like, okay, there's so many different things that I need to do. So I came up with this idea of creating a lifestyle assessment tool um, where I basically survey, you know, my practice members, my patients, and ask them all these questions about their lifestyle, because I don't want to know about that BMI. I don't want to know about the cholesterol levels. I don't want to know about all these things right now. I want to know why you know, why do they have high blood pressure? Why do they have high cholesterol? Why are their relationships strained with their kids or their parents, or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so I created the survey. And then I would spend three to five hours going over the results with them. I couldn't do that. So I'm like, wait a second, I'm going to make the book, the report for the dream score, the lifestyle assessment tool. So I started putting all of this together. And right by a month after COVID really hit America is like the end of March, beginning of April, I get a call from a publishing company who had done research on me. And I know from the email that they sent that they'd done research because they knew more about me than I knew. And they said, you know, all of the things that you've done in your professional life, we believe you have a story to tell. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, funny, you should ask. I've been working on it for the past decade. Um, and so I signed on with them as the publishing company and best decision I ever made, put it all together. You know, at the beginning, when I started writing the book, I was concerned about getting 40 or 50 pages. It ended up being a 460 page book. You know, I mean, this book is wow. a wellness Bible. I never thought I had that much to say. But the good thing is with the dream score, you can actually read what you need to read in under an hour. So that's kind of cool that they could just skip through it if they're not going to read it cover to cover. Um, and, you know, I got involved with uh, a great mastermind group run by JJ Virgin, best, you know, four-time New York best-selling author. She wrote The Virgin Diary, all this other stuff. Um, and she really helped me understand where I could take this and my mastermind group and showed all about master classes, online courses for the community. So my vision is educating as many parents as possible about how to raise their kids healthfully and naturally. And the book itself is good for 90% of the pop, 90% of the book is good for anyone in the population. I just geared it towards families and parents because that was the niche that I wanted to, to target. Um, but you know, I'll have my consumer-facing side, but for the health providers. I am now enabling them, you know, I'm making the dream score survey available to them. So this way they can see everything about their client's life, about their patient's life and understand what's going on so they can serve them best. So, you know, if you're seeing somebody that needs decompression, maybe you'll understand what put them in that situation without you needing to spend three hours doing a consultation with them, which you still want to do your normal consultation, but don't you want to know about their lifestyle? Because, you know, like... Like one of, one of our, my mentor and friends Dane Donahue says you can't medicate yourself out of something created by your lifestyle, right So totally. we know medications medications can help you get through certain things, but it's not going to change if your lifestyle is still doing the same thing over and over again and the same thing goes with you know if they're dealing with something that causes decompression if it's a car accident that's not a lifestyle thing necessarily. but if they're doing something constantly creating these chronic problems, of course you're going to want to know what it is that they're doing what, what kind of footwear are they you know wearing what kind of pillow, what kind of mattress? You know, how much gossip are they engaging in? You know, what are the chemical, physical, and emotional stressors are they taking in on a daily basis? And how many of those stressors are they neutralizing and avoiding? And that's what this is all about. That's what the picture is about. I want to make practitioners' lives easier and better so they can get better results with their clients. And I want to change parents' lives so that they have happier, healthier children and themselves as well. Right, exactly. So the full title of the book is Dream Wellness, The Five Keys to Raising Kids for a Lifetime of Physical and Mental Health. Right.
1: And and so somewhere along the way, um uh you you decided that it was that your little guy mm-hmm. was important enough to to make some major lifestyle changes and to to write a book. Basically, it sounds like you know, it's a, it's, it's where you want to go and what you've discovered that you need to do to raise healthy legacy. Our yes. children are our legacy, right? So right. often, I think, as parents, we forget that um, they generally will live well beyond us, hopefully, God willing, and, and be our legacy. And what do we
2: want to build? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about legacy. It's all about future generations. Uh, you know, what's going to be next, what do you leave behind, and you hope that your kids are going to have a better life, better quality of life than you had, no matter how good yours is, you want it to be better for your kids. And, you know, the need from this, really, it came from so much, you know, I would see these parents come in with all these problems, and the kids are just about to have them if they don't already have them. And kids like to play follow the leader. So I want to encourage parents to be the leader they want their kids to follow. Well, well, so often, Brian, I mean, we see.
1: The little kid, um, if if the parents are obese, chances are the kid already is obese, and it's not genetic; it's it's lifestyle for the most part. I mean, what are they feeding each other, right?
2: Right, right. I mean, genetics plays a role in it, but not nearly as much. What you know, James Chestnut always says, you know, people blame their woes in life on bad luck, bad germs, and bad genes. You know, it's very often, not always, but bad choices. And I always want to encourage parents. and and families overall to live by choice not by chance
1: this is your host dr alan chong i hope you're finding unique value in this podcast if so my ask of you is to subscribe and share it yes please share this podcast with one friend and colleague that's how you can help grow this as a movement mission is to share legacy content with listeners like you now back to the show I mean, in a world where we have so much choice these days, I, I think what you're, it sounds like what you're focusing in on is reevaluate every day,
2: every hour, what your conscious choices are. That's exactly what it is. That's why I separate D R E A M. So if you create a habit of it, every choice you make, you're going to consider how does it impact the five facets of wellness. Of diet relaxation exercise being an adjustment mental wellness that's what the DREAM is an acronym for so if you understand that like okay so if it's a decision that you're going to make between eating the chocolate cake or not eating the chocolate cake you've got to make the decision obviously eating the chocolate cake you know for dessert not so great for your diet right not so great for relaxation right because it's going to the sugar is going to give you the high and everything okay. else not so great for exercise, especially if you have enough chocolate cakes. So now you have extra weight. It's hard for you to work out in the gym. It's not likely for you to stay in adjustment because those that could be a chemical toxin, chemical stressor. But maybe for that moment, it's good for your mental wellness, right? So it could be bad, you know, de, you know, um, destructive for four of the five, but constructive for one of the five. Maybe in that moment, that chocolate cake is worth it. But if you have a chocolate cake every day, now we're talking about destructive for all of them. So everything that we do, every decision we make, every every action we take has an impact on all five facets, all five keys of wellness, and we have to decide where it's evaluated. And, and that's another place that the dream score will help you evaluate and see where these things fit in and how does it impact your score in terms of something being an energy drainer versus an energy gainer.
1: Right, exactly. We're going to wrap up this conversation um, for our listeners, for our practitioners of uh, from all different fields. What, what would you say as a, as a word of encouragement to, to move in what direction you kind of, to summarize the whole chat today.
2: I would say, determine what you're passionate about, right? Take the passion test. If you're not familiar with it, it's a book out there somewhere called the passion test um, and figure out what your purpose is. You know, if you don't know how to come up with a purpose statement, they can reach out to me. I've got some great resources on purpose statements. Once you know what your purpose is, you set your goals in life based on your purpose and every goal that you have needs to be in alignment with your purpose or you cut it out. It's not a goal, right? It's got to be within alignment of the purpose. And when you know what your purpose is, you make all your decisions based on that.
1: Awesome. Dr. Brian Stenzler, thank you very much for being our uh, honored guest today. Congratulations on your dream wellness book. And, and programs we look forward to seeing and hearing a lot more ab- about you and uh, the great work that you're doing and the shift that you've made. I know you're making decisions for the right reasons and on purpose and uh, congruent to your heart. And that's that's certainly the message for today. So for listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, hoping that this episode and others brings you one step closer to practice mastery thanks for listening until next time i'm your host dr alan chong bye for now
0: well that wraps up another episode of practice mastery your call to greatness we hope that you've enjoyed the show for show notes to listen more and to subscribe go to highprofitspractice.com forward slash podcast We'd love to hear from you. So remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, wishing you one step closer to Practice Mastery, Your Call to Greatness. All content for Practice Mastery podcasts and all related media of Practice Mastery, Your Call to Greatness are claimed and protected by copyright. All rights reserved by Dr. Alan Chong.